It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Introducing Built to Last, a new podcast by American Express. I'm Elaine Welteroff, and I'm excited to host the debut season where we will be deep diving into the stories, history, and continued legacy of small businesses that shape American culture. Through these important conversations, we'll hear how the Black business leaders of our past have inspired today's Black-owned small businesses and communities. Join us for the debut season of Built to Last on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Lockdown Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. You can find the podcast on the Himalaya podcast app on Google Podcasts, iTunes, and Spotify. We have heard there are some issues with Google Music being a day behind, so if you use that, mm. try to use another platform for the next few days. We know there are some issues with that one in particular, and I know they're working on it. That's all I can tell you. That's what I use. Oh, you use Google that, Music. Yeah, that's what gives me my alerts that a new episode's up. So you, have you been getting your alerts? No, I haven't. I, and I didn't, I didn't think about it until you just said it. I wonder if I'll get one tonight for yesterday's show. Mystery solved. This has been going on for a while, though, now. Okay. Yeah, okay. I haven't noticed. Good to know. Well, I, I just say it because I, I know a couple people have sent us messages about it. Mm. Anyway. Today, we continue the Countdown to Kickoff series. We talk about some fantasy football things that uh, PFF has put out their initial fantasy football ratings, and they did yesterday an article with three fantasy questions for the Bengals, and I think they touch on Dalton, Mixon, and Ross. So we'll take a look at their rankings, and we'll take a look at what they have to say about those three. Uh, and then finally, we had a couple Bengals in the news today. Jake Dolagala had a piece done on his reportedly great day at at, tra- at minicamp, um, hmm. and Carl Lawson made an appearance on what was it? Good Morning Football, Football? America. No, I think it's just Good Morning Football, GMFB. <laughs> I, I have no idea. I don't. You don't watch that, Jake? I don't watch any of it. I, I don't. My dad watches it, and he always. He's always uh, talking about it, and hey, you need to you need to uh, talk to those guys and let them know. And I'm like, Dad, I don't. That's way over my head. Let them know what? I don't know. He just gets you know. He's doing dad stuff, or he's just completely out in left field. You hear that, Dad? Right. <laughs> that's what they do. That's uh, like, hey, come on. I don't feel like my dad is in left field. I think he's pretty pretty well reasoned. He is. Uh, I, I probably shouldn't mention it. Um, it's a potential <laughs> sponsorship that I'm hoping comes through. Oh, really? Yeah. He's no, working. my dad's completely nuts. He's working out there for us, Joe. Great. Thank you, Mr. Lisko. Think. Speaking of dads, mm-hmm. this player's dad is in your direct mentions from time to step dads. 
Yeah, I bet he's in a lot of people if you're on Twitter and you say anything about Alex Redman. You have never uh, I've never heard from him. But I think he listens to the podcast him. too, from what we He may have one time, maybe if we uh you know, if we talked about interior offensive line or offensive line, he may have probably piqued his interest. He seems to um take in anything he can that may affect his son in law, stepson, stepson. And we, and we are today. So what was his name? Is are we allowed I mean he's on Twitter. This yeah, I'm trying to Steve Baldwin, maybe. Steve Baldwin. So Steve, we shouldn't shout him out too much. He's a bit of a nut. Well, he's listening. So oh, we're, okay. we're talking about Alex Redman right now. Or, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, assuming Steve. he's listening. <laughs> <laughs> so Alex no. Redman has been in the league since 2016. Played for UCLA for three seasons. Played in 33 games. He played, I believe, exclusively guard at UCLA. And if I'm wrong about that, I'm sure we'll hear otherwise. I did think he played tackle a little bit. Did but he? I might be off on that. But I, I just see. remember him he's, him being big. And I uh, remember if he, he might have been listed as a tackle somewhere on a pre-draft site. He played guard in 2013. He played eight games of guard in 2014. And... All it says is he started twelve games or started ten of twelve games in two thousand fifteen. So mm. it doesn't say what position he played in two thousand fifteen. He did not play his last year. He was academically ineligible. Uh, actually, sorry, he was academically ineligible for the bowl game in two thousand fifteen, and then declared for the draft. Really. I wonder what happened there. He said that he was always planning to enter the draft after three years, that turning professional would help support his daughter. This Mm. is, this is all on Wikipedia history major. And according to Bengals.com is a fan of poetry. I wonder, I wonder who his favorite poet is. Yeah. He had another daughter last year, I believe too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Or a child. I shouldn't say a daughter. It was right before a game. I remember them talking about it and before a game and uh, he was struggling for that game. Gotcha. I, I mean, I suppose he probably had a late night. Yeah. But he's 6'5", 294 pounds, 33 and a quarter inch arms is what he was listed as on mock draftables. So this must have been at the combine. That was his combine year. measurables, yeah. Yeah, they're not bad. Look at his broad jump. 93 percentile uh, was 111 inches. Yeah. Uh, the short shuttle isn't great. The nope. three cone isn't great. And the 40 isn't great, although that doesn't matter a ton for your guards. Sure, and then bench reps 30, which puts them in the 80th percentile. Yeah, Definitely probably uh, got the Bengals excited about that. that. I think that is a great profile, pre-draft profile, for what we see on the field, right? He's powerful, doesn't really have that lateral agility and explosion. Yeah. Uh, I think he can get caught in pass protection when he when he oversteps or, or yeah. lunges, gets over-aggressive, but can be a strong, powerful run blocker. And, and that's what leads to the penalties that we've seen, and we've talked about it a lot. Alex Rubin's been a bit of a punching bag. Uh, mostly because of the penalties last year, but I think it's probably worth mentioning here that he's still a young developing player. There could be development left in the tank for him. He was undrafted, and he managed to start 16 games last year. So, I mean, in his, what, third year, he had a practice squad year, then was a backup in 2017, maybe came off the practice squad, and then 2018 he started. Yeah, it is pretty impressive to go from an undrafted guy. We we praised Trey Hopkins for a similar run, even though he was injured that first couple of years, uh, and, to, and to be a guy that like we're like, hey, he, you know, he should probably start. Alex Redmond for his warts, if he were was to he's suspended for the first four games. We'll talk about that, I'm sure. But if he were to able be able to take another small step in his development in year three, you might get a a baseline starter. I don't think he was that last year. 
He was slightly below average if you listen to Pro Football Focus. And even if you don't, the amount of penalties he had to just the casual fan, the the untimely penalties yeah. would stand out to anyone. And there there are a few plays in particular that, that stand out if you think about pass pro reps where it just did not go well. And if you really are a film junkie and you're breaking down the running game, Right. Yes, occasionally he'll flash and he'll move guys and he'll show that power when he latches onto somebody. But there's there's also more more lost assignments than than you would probably like to see. Definitely, and the penalties aren't just you know a one year thing. You look at his preseason; he's got seven penalties and under three hundred uh, snaps in preseason. So mm-hmm. that is a that's even worse. <laughs> that's even worse rate. Right? It'd be over twenty if he played a full season. Yeah, uh, but he only had 10 in the regular season. It just, it just points to that's a lot of mental errors. Yeah. And they were, they were both pre-snap and holding yeah. penalties. They were, they were of all varieties. He, he gave up 40 pressures according to PFF, which that's a lot. Is, is a pretty staggering amount. It's yeah. more than a lot for an interior lineman. Right. Especially cause he didn't finish every game. You know, there's a couple in there where it looks like he had a, well, maybe just the last game he didn't finish. But uh, 960, 928 snaps. Yeah. That's a pretty steep rate for 600 pass blocks. Only five guards in football gave up more pressures than Alex Redman did, according to Pro Football Focus last year. Dan Feeney, Connor McGovern, Caleb Beninock, Benino, AJ Can, and Mike Remmers. Hmm. Yeah. A couple of young guys, a couple of veterans that are Most on the way Most of those up. guys had a lot more snaps. Yeah. In their careers or last year? Last year, at least three of them had like 70 to 100 more snaps. Okay. Um, would you rather your guard be a better pass blocker or run blocker? Hmm. Say you can only have one. Right? They're either really good in pass pro or really good in run blocking. Not to say Redmond's really good in run blocking, and not to say Miller's really good in pass blocking, but I would say both trend in that way. John Miller I'm talking about. Better than? I mean... I think the question when you when you frame it that way, would you rather they be really good at one thing than the other thing gets harder? Um, if you if you ask me, which would you rather they be better at? Right. Then I would say run blocking because the baseline for pass blocking at, at guard is much easier to achieve. Right, but as you may Redmond say, the opposite was, was attack, far right? below that baseline last year. What's that? I said, you, whereas you may say the opposite at tackle. You'd rather a guy be better in pass protection than run blocking. Yeah, but but I want them to at least be baseline, right? In the other uh, one. The other one. I don't want it to yeah. be like a 50-50 crapshoot. Right. I mean, it wasn't 50-50, obviously, but you, you get the idea. Yeah, it can't be such a you, – you know, your your weakness can't be the point of it's hurting the team. Yeah. You know, it can be a weakness without killing how many plays, you know, 40 plays here. Yeah, he wasn't even in the top – 50 of of graded guards for pff last year although let me raise the snap threshold here that'll get him onto the first page 40th amongst guards last year so plenty of guards worse than alex remen in the nfl he probably belongs on an nfl team oh yeah he he's also young it's worth pointing out i i think uh 24 years old yeah, I mean, Frank Ragnow last year graded just barely better than Alex Redman. He was a rookie, given, right. playing a different position than he played in college, also given. But both are still young guys and played very similarly last year, and it was Alex Redman's first year as a starter. So if you really want to go glass half full, 
Optimist Outlook. Please don't invoke Ragnow's name. I'm just saying, they're two young guys that graded similarly for Pro Football Focus. There's reason to believe that there is development to be had. I get you. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying he's going to be Frank Ragnow. That's nuts. That's a first-rounder versus an undrafted player. Right. Right. That'll be something to watch this year is Ragnow um, is moving to center, and so is James Daniels. The two other centers we talked about last year, and I I know this is more of a Billy Price conversation, but since we're on guard, those two played guard. And then in year one, which makes sense in the history I looked at of what centers do typically as rookies unless they're studs instantly. Yeah. and then they move them to center in year two. And that's what these other teams do. I wonder, it'll be interesting to follow those three developments of Billy Price, James Daniels, and Frank Ragnow to see if there's any effect or or, or development curve because of it. Mm-hmm. It will be interesting. Also I, worth I, noting. I, I, doesn't that happen a lot, though? What's that? That they get moved? Yeah. Yes, that's the typical yeah, path to they, take. They, they don't have start as center. Yeah, yeah. okay. Unless you're like this guy is this guy is fantastic. We got you know you put him at center, he's good. Mm-hmm. You'd like you very, it's very rare that they, or it's just say it happens way less often that a team commits to a rookie at center even despite being a high pick right. and let them play bad. Fun fact: Baltimore's Alex Lewis, who played uh, 700 snaps, was one of the guards that graded worse than good. than Alex Redmond. So he's in the division. One other thing on Redmond, he, he had gained weight last year. I believe he was up to 320 or 325 at one point. Uh, he also played with a torn labrum, which is yeah. what Jonah Williams just had, and that's where he got in trouble with uh, taking a substance that wasn't approved. So he tried to get back on the field, tried to hold on to a starting job, as I think any of us would. Yep. He, he's listed on Bengals.com at 320, so he's definitely put on weight since the combine. Yeah. No question about that. So that'll probably wrap up our Alex Redmond conversation. Yeah, I was going to say what was his best game. That had to be the Tampa game, right? That was everyone's best game yep. inside. I'm 99% sure about that. One other higher graded game was Cleveland Week 12. That oh, was wow. actually his highest graded game, 70.9. There you have it. Alex Redmond probably not starting for the Bengals in 2019, injuries being out of the equation. But he could surprise. I think he probably fits Jim Turner's profile for what he likes in offensive linemen. So I agree. The chances there, especially if there are struggles at left guard. The thing is, can he play left guard, and are they comfortable moving him to the other side, given that John Miller is likely pretty entrenched at right guard? You know, he did play 74 snaps in 2017 at left guard and only 28 at right guard. There you go. In that year. Two snaps at left tackle listed. So I wonder what happened there. I don't want to know. Right. I can only remember that. Nope. Anyway, we'll move on to a fantasy conversation after a quick word from Joe for our sponsor. Guys, let's talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up as twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Let me tell you, we get free samples, and if you think Marshawn Lynch has a good stiff arm, you've seen nothing yet. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, 
no awkwardness. They're made in the USA and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code Locked On to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Bengals podcast. Hey, what's happening? It's your boy Q, host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. And I hope you guys feasted on the MyBookie Turkey Day free play that allowed users to grab themselves a risk-free bet up to $250. It was basically a free shot at trying to double your money. If you didn't get in on that, what are you doing? Nah, but seriously, now is the time to get some skin in the game with MyBookie, where odds boost, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with the NFL playoffs right around the corner, we know who these teams are. We know what they're capable of, and it's not difficult to find some value in the lines. Whether you're a first-time customer or have been playing with MyBookie for years, there is no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. And the best part is, at MyBookie, the doors never close, so you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie. And when you do, use promo code LOCKEDON to get your deposit match halfway all the way up to 1000 bucks. The terms are simple. You put in $200, they'll match you with another $100 in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at MyBookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. This is Ross Jackson from Locked on Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of online retailers, buying a car should be no different. And that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car. That's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made the purchase, your car comes to you, delivered right to your door, or you can go and pick it up from one of the coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a seven-day return policy, ensuring that you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. So check it out, the nation's fastest growing auto retailer at Carvana.com, C-A-R-V-A-N-A.com, Carvana.com. And welcome back to the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Jake, we've got some fantasy um, perspective from Pro Football Focus as it's July, and I think as we get deeper into July, we're definitely going to have your drafts going on around the country and around the world, I guess. Uh, mine usually is in the beginning of August, but this is the time I start studying and getting information. And I think if you're a Bengals fan or if you live in Cincinnati, you're always cognizant of the players on that team because – if you really want them, if you really want some of your favorite players, you may need to take them a little bit earlier than expected. But PFF's got a, a preview, a short preview that poses what three questions on the Bengals? There's and three questions. Yeah, you got them. I do have them. There's a hundred total questions as part of the series they're doing, and each team gets a day. So the Bengals are questions 29 through 31, and then they'll I'm sure run into some non-team specific questions down the road. Sure, that makes sense. 
Do you, before we get into their questions, do you draft your favorite players in fantasy football? I tend to make a policy of, of, of trying to avoid them, actually, a lot of the time. If, you if mean, they're on my favorite team. You mean Bengals players? Yeah. Um, no, it depends if I feel there is a, a value discrepancy. If I disagree with what the, the national perspective is. And sometimes that's, uh, like right now, I think Joe Mixon, if you're pick, sitting there, pick six, seven, eight. There's no reason not to take Mixon, and I see some some drafts where he's going nine through fourteen. Okay, so let's, let's talk about Joe Mixon real quick. Oh, okay. Joe Mixon is the PFF consensus number nine running back. Tell me okay. which of these guys you would take Joe Mixon ahead of. Okay. Uh, let's let's start with some 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 interesting wild cards. Todd Gurley. I would take Mixon first. Yeah. Because uh, of the injury factor with Gurley. What about man? Who does? Yeah, okay. So, so that's that's the one big wild card I would say is is Gurley. But I agree with you. I I don't trust Gurley. Right. So, so the other guys ahead of him, Saquon Barkley. Yeah, he should be in the one one or two pick. Uh, this is this is in points per reception, by the way. Okay, that makes sense. Yep. So, so that that might change your mind a little bit potentially. Ezekiel Elliott. Sure. Yeah, should go top four. Christian McCaffrey. In a PPR to, league, yep. Should go top three, yep. Uh, Alvin Kamara, PPR league. Should go league top again. three. Yep. Melvin Gordon. Sure, he produces, but I wouldn't. Um, so let's say we're at pick five now. This is yep. the range where I start to debate it a little bit. So let's look at Melvin Gordon's last year real quick. Oh, he's, been, already... he, he's had some monster games. Yeah. They have yeah. him projected... At 251 fantasy points in a PPR league, 15, 16 points per week. Sounds fine. Yeah. Uh, Next on the list is David Johnson. That's the wild card, right? Because It's a huge wild card. Yeah. I mean, if if Kyler Murray hits the ground running, if the young receivers they've drafted, if the O-line that they've tried to add pieces, if they can just get to baseline level, I think David Johnson was top two pick just a couple years ago. Uh, There's a... There's a great chance he's back in that range because of Kyler Murray and his ability to move and run and all the things they can do with him. And, and you always see whenever a quarterback can move a little bit, the running back production just skyrockets. But he There's hasn't a- been productive since 2016. He had the injury in 2017, and 2018 yeah. he wasn't great. Yeah, he, he, he had volume. Maybe. And that's why he's going to go between 6 and 10, 6 and 9, 6 and 8. But- yeah, but I think I'm taking Mixon ahead of David Johnson. I think it's debatable, but I, I do like – I would love to take chan- the chance on David Johnson. So let's say we're picking fifth, sixth, seventh in that range. David Johnson's a guy I would target over Melvin Gordon because I think that bounce back could be so valuable. I I, I like Melvin Gordon quite a bit. He's productive and consistent. There's and no reason not to. And a good offense like and, he'll, and he'll catch passes too. He does catch Although passes. Although David yes. Johnson definitely catches passes. Next is Le'Veon oh, yeah. Bell. See, I wouldn't take Le'Veon Bell over Mixon. Being off a year, I say me, that name wrong every time. Uh, even being off a year, and he's kind of a bit of a knucklehead, uh, in, in my opinion, from the outside. I'll, I'll take Mixon over Le'Veon Bell for sure. And the next one is James Conner. Right, that's debatable. I think Conner could take another step in the, in this third year. Maybe be he had a breakout year last year, but he could be um, really a centerpiece type top five back if he has another good year in an offense that seems to always turn out good running backs. Anybody and, could do it behind that line. Right. So uh, you, although you Munchak expect... is gone, didn't they lose or they lost some offensive linemen? 
Didn't they lose their OL coach? Uh, yes, I thought so. But point being is uh, you could expect him to be pretty productive. I just think that's debatable also. And so if you're in Cincinnati and you're doing this draft, you should slide. If you want Mixon, you should be taking him with the fifth or sixth pick because you know guys always go early in your hometown. They always do. I just yeah. hear I do it in Buffalo. And LaShawn McCoy goes in the first round. I'm like, you guys are drunk. But they are drunk. But they're actually, you know, because it's they're because they're Bills fans. So point being is if you're in that mid-range of the first round and you want Mixon, that's where you have to take him. In, in a PPR league, though, I'm taking – I agree with PFF. They have um, DeAndre Hopkins – Julio Jones, Michael Thomas, Odell Beckham, all ahead of Joe Mixon. And and they also have Devontae Adams ahead of Mixon, which I find quite interesting. Maybe I'm way too low on Devontae interesting. Adams. Interesting to have those receivers up there. Yeah, because, well, I mean, they're catching 100 passes on top of everything. They are. And, and they don't probably have much faith that Mixon is going to get 50 catches. And that's the thing is... That's the, the question. Those top five receivers are more valuable than what running backs are that second tier of running backs are now because they're not getting 300 plus carries. You know, it's not Ladanian Tomlinson getting 400 touches, Larry Johnson getting 400 touches, Priest Holmes, you know, where they, these guys, Sean Alexander, where these guys are going to rack up 20 touchdowns. Also the, if you feel that guy can have a breakout type year like that, then you may see, see him as more valuable as those receivers. Otherwise, yes, you may be taking a receiver in that range. Yeah. Anyway, that is not on PFF's list of questions. Oh, the receiver one? None of those. Oh, you just want to talk about Joe Mixon. Those are just those are just that's ad libbing. We're we're doing it live. We'll do it live. How long have we been going? Do we need to take another break? No, let's do the fantasy stuff. We just started this. Uh, we started this seven minutes ago, Joe. Wow. We're gonna do one of these fantasy questions, then we're gonna take a break. Okay. Can Andy Dalton still offer sneaky fantasy values? Question number one. I do think so. Uh, in fact, I was just thinking the other day. So let's be specific. Okay. You think so? We're talking about a 12-team, let's say 12-team redraft. Right. Okay. And that's what, that's what I was getting to. It, so I was thinking the other day, If I, I'll take Pat Mahomes in the first round, high second if, if he's there. Uh, and there's a... You do these mock drafts or these live drafts to prepare you, and you can get Drew Brees in the fifth round, sixth round, and then there's a little bit of a fall off, you know, because after the top five guys, it's kind of a mixed bag. Throw them in there. You don't know what you're really going to get. They're going to get similar production as an Andy Dalton on, in most most of the games. But uh, you're really drafting that next tier for the upside. And with Dalton, I think it's assumed or really nationally they think of him as a, as a low upside guy. But I do think in this Zach Taylor type offense that he does actually have high upside and high production, um, like a watermark where he can reach that. And so when I'm thinking of him as, as, as could he have value, I'm not saying you draft him as a top 12 quarterback as your starter, but you can wait and target an Andy Dalton as either a guy you're going to say who's Kirk Cousins and Andy Dalton. You're taking those two guys and you're kind of going to pick and choose which week you're going to start them. That's perfectly fine with me. I think that's a fair option. Uh, or you take a, t- a high-end guy at the top, and then you come back and you wait on Andy Dalton because he's normally there in the last few rounds. And if that's the case, when you're taking your kicker defense and backup quarterback, if you're taking Andy Dalton, I think you're you're in a pretty good spot. I think he'll give you a baseline 25 touchdowns, but I think there is upside there for 30-something touchdowns in an offense that works. Yeah, my thing is I almost never draft a backup quarterback 
or a defense or a kicker. Really? You don't uh, take any I'll, of those guys? I'll deal with all that before week one. I especially do tend to the, stream a defense. Especially in, in in the earlier drafts. If it's a draft and I'm playing like three days later and I have to have my lineup set, then yeah, right. draft, I'll fill out the roster because yep. I don't want those spots to be blank on week one. But yeah, generally I'm not drafting any of those positions. And for a starter, I'm not touching Andy Dalton. I don't think. His last three years have been... QB 19, QB 21, QB 21, according to PFF. It's been four full years since 2015 when he was QB 8. And his one year better than that was 2013 when he was QB 4. And I think I had some Andy Dalton shares in 2013. Now, was he QB 8 because he missed those final two and a half games? This is points per game. Okay, thank you. Yep. Yep. Minimum eight games played. So... I think Andy Dalton is a guy that, as a Bengals fan, I know the matchups really well, right? And so I'm watching waivers, I'm streaming quarterbacks, and if I need a quarterback at a given time, I'll scoop Andy Dalton up if he's there. But at the same time, you know, you're talking about 15, 16 points a game for Andy Dalton right yeah. now. You're only rolling him out there in favorable matchups. Like you know, you're, you're playing against Baltimore or something, right? common and uncommon when that was hitting man that was really hitting and i was able to start andy dalton a lot and a lot of people were telling me online like man this is this is good stuff i'm winning with andy dalton on these odd weeks and uh that's on its head yeah laser flipped that last year i wrote about it last year and so we don't really know what to expect now with taylor but if you can stay in that range i think you're doing pretty good the the one reason that you might think about andy dalton is that he could take a jared goff like step production wise and, yeah. and just that means that, you know, you're talking 30 touchdowns. Maybe there's still 15 picks in there, but generally more production. 4,500 yards. I mean, it's not crazy to think he does that in an offensive 4,500 is a lot. I know that. What that golf that would be like year? top five. Do you, have, do you have golf in there for what he threw last year? I'll pull it up. Okay. The, 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 I, I was looking at this because somebody said that if Ben Roethlisberger goes out there and he has a – 4,000-yard, 30-touchdown season, that that might be enough to win an MVP. And I'm like, last year he had 5,000 yards and threw 34 touchdowns, and I I wasn't really thinking about him as an MVP candidate. So last year, uh, Jared Goff threw for 4,688 yards. So you're you're right there, 4,700 yards. But Andy Dalton, I mean, he he was hurt, but he was averaging 233 yards per game. So that would be a 60-yard-per-game improvement. That'd be nice. Go back to 2015, which is the last time Andy Dalton was good. Let's see where he was. Andy Dalton was 250 yards per game. So even in his best year. Right. We're still talking another 25 yards above that. Uh, a little bit more, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. about. yeah not many quarterbacks really break that 4,500-yard mark. It seems like it's about five six a year. And that okay. number is probably going up. So let's say 4,000. 4,000 yards touchdowns. is more reasonable, yeah. Drew Brees okay. didn't even break 4,000 last year. I know. I remember we talked about this in the other podcast. He's always breaking 5,000, it seems, and then not anymore. Yeah. He only threw five picks, though. I mean, he had still had a nutty year. But his final five games were went were he saw a dip. I wonder if we're looking at the end of Drew Brees. He is older now. I hope not, man. Drew Brees is fun to watch. Oh, yeah. And then unless he's playing the Bengals, then it's painful to watch. Has he been good against the Bengals? I feel like they've been okay against them. Last year, he didn't they play the Saints last year? My brain is mushed. Yeah, because they played Atlanta. They played the Saints last year, and they got smashed. 
That was a game. Yeah, they lost by like 40 points. Oh, yeah, that's right. You're right. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> You're right. There was a safety covering Michael Thomas on one play, and I'm like, come on. This is yeah. Bengals. Peak yeah. Bengals here. Peak Bengals. So, so that is the first question. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back for the next two. And if we have time, we'll talk about Carl Lawson. There'll, there'll be quick notes. We'll talk about Carl Lawson and Jake Dolagala toward the end. We'll be right back. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. At CDWG, we get that migrating your agency to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't want to do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. CDWG's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell EMC solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDWG. People who get it. Find out more at cdwg.com slash dellemc. Support for this podcast comes from The First One with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is The First One. We hear from all the A-list music stars like J Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. It's almost like sometimes before you even get in the industry, it's like you set up to fail. And there's so many moments where you can win. And the winning is great, but it's so many things that you go through to get to the win. And so much more who tell their stories about the first hits that took them to the next level, changed their life, overlooked to being overbooked. When I was recording the song, I already knew it was going to be a global hit. And I'm not joking, my G. I really felt it inside of me. I was like, I just can't wait to see a number one. Join me every Thursday with the first one drops only on Amazon Music. Let's go. Welcome back, Bengals fans, to the last segment of today's episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We come back with two more questions on PFFs, three questions about the fantasy outlook for the Cincinnati Bengals in 2019. These are all about receivers. The next question is, is there room for both A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd to be fantasy starters in 2019? Definitely. And not only were they last year when they were together, uh, I think Tyler Boyd is actually even more effective when AJ Green is out there on a, on a numbers basis. Uh, So, and on evaluation basis, but yes, if this is a Ram style offense, we've talked about this before, how productive those three receivers were and on pace for, yeah, no doubt in my mind, they're both uh, able to be starters. Yeah. I I 100% agree through week eight last year. A.J. Green was number six in fantasy production for receivers. Tyler Boyd was 12. Yeah, I mean, exactly. you're doing okay there. After the bye, they had the bye right in the middle of the season, right? After the yeah. bye, Boyd was only wide receiver 37, and this includes when A.J. Green was out, and Tyler Boyd, of course, also missed two games. Yep. But I, I think this is where it gets a little murky. I think getting – I agree with PFF. PFF says two top 12 receivers might be asking too much. The defense might keep the offense. Uh, but two top 24 guys, isn't it? Oh, yeah, easy. For right. sure. But but you're not necessarily getting two wide receiver ones from, no. from the Bengals here. I do like Green's value. He's going a lot in the late third, early fourth. And I think, I think you know, obviously we're going to target him a little bit early as Bengals fans, but... No, I, every, everyone agrees with you. For, for the first time since uh, 2011... He's carrying an average draft position outside of the top eight wide receivers. He's currently wide receiver 13 off the board. Oh, yeah. See, and like you said, he was for the first eight weeks, he was, top, he was number six, six or eight. 
Yeah, geez. And it, he had some monster games, which he, he'll he have will. those every once in a while. Yeah. And, he, and he's still well with, with Zach Taylor's offense. I mean, there's no reason to think think he couldn't be. Meanwhile, Tyler Boyd, according to PFF, is going off the board at 28, which is a high-end flex. I think that's probably pretty reasonable for him. Yeah, I think so. So High-end flex, huh? So wide receiver three? I would put him. I would draft Tyler Boyd and be happy with him as my wide receiver too. I mean, the the reason that that I'd be hesitant would be he's done it one year, right? And, and he's dealt and with injuries. He's yeah, he's had injuries, and and everyone on the offense has had injuries. You know, Andy Dalton could go down. Right. If AJ Green and Tyler Eifert go down, Tyler Boyd's production probably suffers a little bit. Despite getting more targets, the offense just ceases to function. It's true. Yeah. And so, and right, like you said, everyone on this offense has been hurt, and that seems to have a, a crippling effect on the rest of the team. All right, the next question, though, might have an impact on the previous question, and that is, can the Rams' influence boost John Ross? And you've written about this extensively. Oh, yeah, and I think it can, obviously. I don't think it, it gets to the point where he's fantasy relevant unless you're – I mean, I, I think there's – room for big games splash games where he catches maybe a deep one and and scores and he scored a lot last year but you know as long as he gets a couple more catches and a few more yards there those are really fantasy relevant games so I do think that is able to happen I just think it'll be way too unpredictable to even roster him you probably he probably doesn't get drafted uh but I he is someone I would keep an eye on because if there's an injury that happens I would jump on him really quick yeah it's interesting. PFF says uh, maybe it's a bit overstated the difference that the offense might make for John Ross, noting that the Bengals were second in 2018 in three wide receiver sets. Yeah. 71% compared to Los Angeles to 77%. So even if they go out there in a little bit more three wide receiver sets and they make up that difference of 6%, that's a difference of 60 snaps over the course of a season which is maybe the difference for John Ross of, of three targets. Right. Maybe four. Well, we've uh, talked about before the quality of targets. Yeah. The, well, the and if Dalton is healthy the whole year, then it's a difference. Yeah. Remember we talked about the average yards of separation for Rams receivers versus Bengals receivers. Right. That's, yeah. I think that's scheme stuff. You're going to end up putting them in more positions to catch a higher rate of balls. And I, I think we all expect him to convert more catches. Yeah. This year. That's and if he typical. doesn't, then that's it. Right. It's typical for the guys that he's in a bucket with. And I've talked about this, the, the bus bucket, and then the guys that were able to be reclaimed uh, all caught low percentage passes in, in year two. Year three got over the 55% catch right. rate. If, if Ross does that, then I think we're all happy with what he can provide at that point. Yeah. Uh, they do point out that he's not being drafted, which, again, I think we both agree with. They they also cite Jay Morrison's report from June 14th that he might be struggling to pick up the offense, although I thought that reports were generally that he was, was learning okay. He did have a few um, a few lost reps, apparently. Well, remember that Red Report cited the, um, the one play in the red zone where he had to be called back in and, and talk to Andy Dalton, and then the next play they, they run it and get a touchdown. Yeah. So He also missed some practices, which... He did, yeah, with tightness. Always. Of course, perpetual. Yeah, I mean, that's also a question mark with him. I I don't think John Ross is fantasy relevant. I think he's he's much more real-world relevant than fantasy relevant. You ever play or see anyone in a best ball league? I've heard of them. I don't actually know what they are. Me either, and that's why I was going to ask, because uh, I've heard someone say, well, I would take John Ross in a best ball if he ever becomes a deep threat. And I, I think that's more of, 
even if you have someone on your bench and he has a big game, you can say, well, okay, I insert him as a starter. It's weird. I don't. There's a lot of weird fantasy rules. If you guys have any, if you're listening and you have any weird fantasy rules, I'd like to hear them because uh, I'm always open for doing something different. You ever play with a free agent auction budget? No. I do really like that idea. Are you in an auction league? No. It's just the, you get a budget for in-season waiver transactions. Really? So instead of just having the highest waiver priority, you need to also make sure you spend enough of your budget to get the guy you want on waivers. Hmm. It, it adds a whole layer of strategy. The only thing we do with us is our flex can't be a running back. It has to be a tight end or wide receiver. So your okay. third guy there has to either you're going out there two tight ends or you're going out there three wide receivers. You're not going to go out there two running backs. I'm always going three wide four, four wide receivers, whatever. It is. I should I should say three running backs because yeah we start two. Yeah, I'm always I'm always taking the wide receiver, unless I somehow have Travis Kelsey and I don't know. That's happened. Yeah. Tyler Eifert and Tyler Eifert stays healthy. I don't know. Right, you get into those scenarios. That that actually is uh, one of the scenarios we had last year. Was a guy ended up having like the number one and number five tight ends, and he was just playing both of them. Yeah. All right, so that's it for the fantasy stuff. Uh, Jake Dolagala got a shout out on Bengals.com today. He had a great camp. You can go read about it. Uh, Josh Malone's quoted there saying uh, he was putting the ball where he wanted where he wanted to put it. Josh Malone said he had a great day. Joe Mixon. Always quotable says that boy looked good. I like him. He's nice. He's nice. You think he means personality wise? He's real nice, or no. you think he means like talent? That guy's nice. Yeah, he means he's good at football. Did you know that Jake Dolagala is six seven two forty two? Put him at tight end. Two forty two. The big boy playing with linebacker. And he's apparently he's athletic with a cannon arm. Why are we not more excited? Why am I the wet blanket on Jake Dolagala? Because I've watched like one of his games on YouTube and he looks so pedestrian. Well, you'll find that when you're coming from a small school, they all look pedestrian. He said he did have a bunch of Division One offers when he was in high school. He uh, tore the labrum in his sh- throwing shoulder. He threw a pick. More torn labrums. Tackle. Yeah, torn labrums. They're all over the Bengals. Hmm. And Carl Lawson was on TV. Yes, he was. And he, he was fun. He's energetic. He speaks well. I think he's... Uh, He's going to be a captain. He's a, he's a leader of this team. And uh, so uh, he says they're planning to have him ready for week one. That doesn't mean not earlier. It just means that he seems he's ready to go out there. He talked a little bit about uh, having all the resources to make sure he's back in time and rehabbing and doing all the right things. Plus, he's a workout warrior anyway, so it makes sense. Uh, but he talked about anime and his love for it, and he was really excited. He also talked a little bit about um, – they asked him, you had two and a half sacks on Aaron Rodgers your rookie year. What about Rodgers made him easy to get to? And he said – uh, that he thought Rodgers was an easy guy to sack because he held the ball longer than most guys, which I think is uh, makes a lot of sense to me because Rodgers does create a lot of plays doing it that way. And he was going against the backup left tackle in that game. Yeah. Yeah, everybody put up their career game against that guy. Yeah. Who was it? He said the harder guys to sack are the young guys that coordinators are trying to protect with max protection and or quick passes. Yeah, which makes sense. I mean, that doesn't really say anything about the quarterback, right? Unless it's – right. Unless it's a quarterback protecting themselves like Brady or, or, or Dalton. They just get rid of the ball real quick. Dalton's hard to sack because he's yeah. getting rid of the ball a lot of times. And then he's easy to sack if he doesn't get rid of the ball on time. I know. That's why <laughs> I think it's funny sometimes because it's it's hard to uh, control the narrative sometimes with Dalton in the offensive line and getting sacked because uh, people just assumed if he's getting 
we see Dalton get rid of it quickly 95% of the time, right? And on those other ones, even if the O-line holds up a little bit and he doesn't get rid of the ball and you're like, oh, well, he, sh- he, he definitely looks like he should have gotten rid of it and there was a sack, it's, oh, the offensive line's terrible. And it's, yeah, of course it is. But I, It's, I do it's think just was, much more nuanced, right? Yeah, there's, there's more conversation there. It gets real deep. So that's it. That's everything that's happening in the Bengals world today. Tomorrow I will be back. Joe is working nights. We're splitting up the rest of the week. We'll have two more episodes. We might do a bonus uh, mailbag later in the week. Schedule's pending. But tomorrow I'll be back with Evan McPhillips at PFF Evan. He does the PFF Cincinnati uh, Twitter account. So we'll talk PFF Bengals stuff tomorrow. Awesome. So look forward to that. This show was brought to you in part by Blue Chew. And you can find it on the new Himalaya podcast app, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Until next time, Bengals fans, have a good one. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wild card exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason. Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.